And Minion Fire 360 is on, my friends. Million here with you, M-I-L-L-I-A-N, your ministry provocateur, iconoclast, firebrand, and the resident heretic here at Dominion Fire. Welcome back to our reboot episode of Dominion Fire 360, as I've been talking about for a while and have been, I don't know, kind of stewing on the fact that I want to get these up and running again. And here we are. We're going to get this reboot underway. And at the time of recording this, I'm bringing you a guest and topic and information today that is very relevant to our times. But as time goes on, it's going to continue to be relevant. It's going to be something that's just important to believers just going forward. Joining me today is a gentleman with an amazing journey. And I've read through his story and his book and some of the things he's been through. It's been a wild ride. Joining us today from The Father's Friends or thefathersfriends.org as well is Nick Grimsman. Nick, welcome to the podcast. How, how are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. This is exciting. Appreciate it. So what's going on over there in Nickland? How's uh, how's life treating you? What's uh, what's going on right about this time? Uh, life's going well. I uh I'm looking forward. It's uh, you know, it's February 2022 and I just uh got back from some travel and I'm back in town here. I live in Phoenix and I'm, uh, you know, my book just got released. I did a, a book release last, um, what was it, last week? We did like a book release event. It's uh, my new book's called Becoming God's Friend. It's my third book I wrote, but um, this one is my like memoir autobiography that encompasses like the first 40 years of my life. I'm now 41, um, but this book is the first 40 years of my life because people always ask me, well, what was your childhood like and things? Cause my other book, defeating mental illness was the one that was on uh, television was featured on uh, Sid Roth program. Uh, and so people from all the world have read that book and they, you know, I always get messages. What was your life like? You know, cause I didn't write at all in there. And so I, I want to sit down and really uh, share some of my journey. And so that's what I shared with you, the becoming God's friend book. And it's pretty wild. Like you said, so let's uh, talk about that journey, like uh, start from the beginning, because even from a young age, from what I remember from the book, you uh, you went through a lot even back then. So what's the story? Yeah, so I grew up uh, outside of Seattle, Washington, and I, um, you know, I kind of lived a normal life. Parents were divorced when I was younger. Um, and then about uh, 19, I became a bartender at a nightclub and I struggled with, uh, you know, drugs, alcohol, you know, the the story. And drugs, alcohol, parties, all those things. And I was really searching for God. I really felt a calling on my life. You know, there's people out there that have this deep calling on their heart, but they just can't find, you know, how to get there, you know? And so I, um, I tried everything. I went to, you know, a Baptist church. I went to LDS. Um, I went to, you know, the Mormon church. I went to the Roman Catholics. I talked to a nun, you know, I talked to a priest. I, you know, I was going to become Muslim. I mean, all sorts of different religion, spirituality. I went to psychics, you know, I did everything trying to find the truth, you know, the way. And, and, um, I ended up, um, finally getting born again, calling prayer line. And I got born again. I gave my life to Jesus. I truly was born again. I received the Holy spirit. I made that confession of faith, you know, Jesus is Lord, you know, with my, my mouth. And I truly believed in my heart that he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And, um, I got saved. I had an amazing experience with the Lord. And then, you know, I was, um, I thought a Christian was somebody that had to wear a name tag and knock on doors. That's all. I didn't grow up in church. Um, you know, I heard Jesus loves me. That's about it. You know, so I didn't, 
I didn't know what to do. And I uh, stumbled into a cult. Basically, I went into a cult in uh, Arkansas is the Tony Alamo uh, Ministries is called. And it was a, a fundamental Christian cult. And there I was um, severely brainwashed. You know, the glossy eyes. You ever seen somebody in a cult? You know, you get the glossy eyes. I left my family at age 22. A thousand yard stare kind of thing. Yeah. And it was, it was serious too. It was, um, it's, uh, it's amazing looking back that I fell for, for it. No, but I was 22 um, and I was looking for my Jesus. You know, I think, uh, you know, I see it a lot now in Christianity. People think their pastor is the Jesus. You know, they look towards a prophet or a pastor or, you know, um, as the answer, as their Jesus, you know, and then they put him on a pedestal. And that was basically what the cult was. It was we put this man um, before God, basically. We thought this man had all the answers. He was like our Jesus. I never personally met uh, Tony Alamo. He lived in a different location, but I lived in a commune with um, with other people, with uh, some young men in a in like a um, <clears throat> apartment kind of community type thing, a uh, house, a property that they owned. And then we had sleep deprivation where we couldn't, uh, uh, you know, we had to get up really early. We couldn't uh, leave and just go do what we wanted. We had to have somebody with us at all times. And I, you know, I go into more detail in my books about this, but uh, about six months into this, um, I start hearing voices and because they pumped a lot of fear into you. You know, if you leave this church, you blaspheme the Holy Spirit and you're going to burn in hell. It was all hellfire and brimstone. And it caused immense fear in my brain. And I remember sitting at, uh, I was working in one of their shops for the vans for the church. And I remember my brain started to feel like there was a hole in the top of it, like a spiritual hole. And I could feel this, like this presence. It was just it was incredible. It was like this presence would go in and out of my brain. And then it started, uh, you know, eventually it came into like a, a band around my head, like a strong vice. It felt like, um, you know, like one of those uh, vices, um, uh, you know, somebody would have that's working in their garage or something. They have a vice to hold the wood. It was like a vice that was stuck on my head. And it would tighten. It was a extreme torment. And then the voices kicked in. And I tried to jump out of a moving car. I did some other crazy stuff. And so they, I eventually, they they said, "You got to leave. You can't be here. You're, you know." They couldn't help me. And I, I was twenty. Gosh, I was twenty two. And then my twenty third birthday, I was in a, a mental hospital diagnosed with uh, paranoid schizophrenia for my twenty third birthday. And that was 2003. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> you know, when you're a young man, I was really good at baseball and football. You know, when you're young, you think you're going to play in the pros someday. And, you know, I was always um, ambitious. I always felt like I I, I was going to do something great in my life. And if you told me when I was 15, 16 years old that I was going to end up in a mental hospital on my 23rd birthday after leaving a cult, um, I would have told you, you're crazy. That's like beyond anything I ever whatever dream for my life and my family too, you know, crushed my mother. My mother was just distraught and I struggled with, uh, in and out of mental hospitals. I went to, um, gosh, six different mental hospitals in four different States over a period of about six months. I was in and out of hospitals really struggling. Um, I thought I blasphemed the Holy spirit because I left the cult, you know, they let, they, 
and she told me I had to leave. And so I thought I lost my salvation. And, you know, I really loved Jesus. And for me to think that I was going to go to hell and that I lost my salvation, there was no way for me to be saved again. Um, it was devastating. And I had this fear inside my flesh. It was felt like it was inside underneath my skin. And it was so severe that I would walk back and forth in my mother's uh, condominium that I was living at with her and I would hold my stomach because I had so much anxiety inside my stomach and my chest and then the band around my head and I'd walk back and forth begging God to uh, forgive me for blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And I did that for about uh, about three, three months, maybe six months. And um, one day I was sitting there and Somebody gave me a book. You know, I'm kind of paraphrasing what my book, you know, that I wrote, my autobiography, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing what, you know, what I write in there. So if your listeners can maybe get my book sometime if they want to, you know, read more detail. But basically, a, a young lady gave me a, <clears throat> a healing scriptures book, and I remember reading in there that, uh, that you know, by his wounds, we are healed, you know, and I was like, maybe God can heal me of schizophrenia, maybe could be forgiven you know you know because my heart was right my heart was always right with god i've always made you know i've always lived a life where i felt like my heart was right with god you know after salvation i always wanted to you know have a heart right with god and, and uh so i i it kind of like a light bulb went on and i went full into recovery i tried to recover from schizophrenia i i eventually um you know i eventually stepped foot in a church again and i would go to church whenever the door was open for prayer, for the double services on Sunday, Wednesday nights, I really wanted to be free from schizophrenia. And I started getting a little, little bit better. And I got a part-time job in a behavior health company that I used to receive services from to in their events program. And um, I worked my way up and eventually um, I uh, met a Christian counselor that helped me a lot, mentored me. You know, I learned some good stuff and bad stuff from this person, but the good stuff helped me, you know, it got me closer to God. I learned about, uh, you know, casting demons off me, out of me, however you look at it. And I, uh, I started feeling freer. I started getting freer. And um, eventually, uh, about three years later, I got, off, I eventually got off all my medications. I was taking eight to 10 medications a day. I used to have a, a shot uh, in my, my hip every two weeks and eventually I overcame schizophrenia and I, I, you know, I got a letter. Um, I had to go through all this stuff to get this letter, but the letter states uh, that I'm no longer diagnosed with schizophrenia, which is like a miracle letter. It's called a decertification letter that they give. Some counties will give this to you if you go through certain hoops, I guess sometimes I don't really understand it all, but for me, I had to jump through some hoops, go through, have a board of doctors to look at my file and talk with me. And then eventually I fully recovered from schizophrenia and I ended up running five programs at this behavior health company. And I worked there for almost eight years and I was running five programs, HUD housing. I had about 40, 50 employees, counselors underneath me. And I learned a ton about uh, mental health, SMI, which is serious mental illness. Um, I learned so many things about people, personalities, uh, so many things. And then I went into ministry full-time in 2013 
and I've been traveling since then. I've been to 26 countries so far. I've been international television. I've almost got killed by a lightning strike on live stream. So that went viral. I was viral. I got, <laughs> I was all over uh, the news for a couple of days of the viral video. Just, I got crazy stories in my book. It's, my life's kind of, you know, I never thought it, you know, God says, you know, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will answer you and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. And I just always, um, always held on to that scripture. And I told the Lord that, you know, I, I want to be delivered so I can glorify him. And, you know, he came through for me. You know, there's a lot more to it, but that's the, the basis of it. Okay, so let's drill down into a couple things. The reason that I, I wanted to have you on the show, and this is sort of why it's, it's important to me as well, and I'll, I'll share something. I've, I've touched on it here and there over the years on some of the podcasts, but from the time I was 13 till about I was 36, I suffered from depression, and God healed me of that. I remember the day where it just popped right off me, and I was like, oh, it's gone, and it was just the end of the story. And so when it comes to a lot of different things, like when I was a kid, it wasn't like trendy or, or popular to like have a mental illness like it is now, you know, it seems. And so being young and trying to figure that out, it, it's only until these recent few years that I really started figuring out, looking back on the whole thing, what was going on. And, you know, at the time, it's like, what in the world? And when you're going through it, but when you're after the fact doing like... You know, I don't want to say damage assessment, but that's all I can come up with at the moment. You learn a lot about yourself. So as someone who's overcame as well, you know, mental health issues, it was it was important to me because at the time of this recording, it's uh, it's February 2022. And I'd like to say we're sort of coming out of lockdowns uh, around the country and around the world. And there's some crazy stuff going on at the time. But, you know, it's going to play out how it plays out. This last you know, two weeks to stop the spread, which turned into two and a half years, unfortunately, has really weighed on a lot of people, people with addictions, people with suicidal issues have gone through with it. Unfortunately, mental health has really been an issue with people in lockdown. So what my hope is, is that as people listen to this episode, if that's something you're going through just in general or from this recent period of history that we're going through, that we can offer some sort of help to get you through this. You know, something I, I consider like depression I went through. I don't want to say it was mild, but compared to like a paranoid schizophrenia, that's like a whole nother level from like where I was. So we got a little bit of a spectrum here with kind of what we're talking about. So if, really, if you're dealing with anything, listeners, uh, you know, please well, let us try to help you how we can. Nick, to drill down a little further, I just want to, if you'll remind the audience, maybe break down. The term schizophrenia, or even specifically paranoid schizophrenia, if there is a difference, and could you just outline a little bit of that and clearly hearing voices, but there's always more to it, but there's a lot of stuff. Could you just give us some of that as well? Schizophrenia is usually when somebody uh, will disconnect from reality. So it, it's a mental illness that uh, it gets to a point of, you know, you have bipolar where there's up and downs. So, you you know, you will maybe be depressed or you'll feel normal and then you'll go into a hypermania or something, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor, you know, I'm just saying off the cuff stuff, just talking to you. Um, so don't quote me on it, but yeah, so there's bipolar, but schizophrenia is when somebody is, they're almost in a, they go into a separate reality. So for me to describe it to someone that's never had it would be, if you can imagine taking um, acid, uh, the drug acid, and going into a uh, hallucination, like let's say the television used to talk to me, which it did. 
the TV would, I would be watching television. I'd be watching the same news that my mother was watching. But to me, the television was the, the lady in the, the newscaster would be saying, uh, Nick, you, you know, we all know you're going to go to hell because you left the cult and you, you are an evil person and you should kill yourself right now. And so I would be in a, like an alternate reality than the other person watching the TV. Or I would go places and I'd have, I'd be paranoid that somebody's watching me. And I would tell my mother or somebody with me, hey, you know, that guy's watching us. And my mom would be like, who? And she wouldn't see the person. I would literally see people that weren't there. And so it's like an alternate reality. And in a spiritual way, I could only say that it's it's a different realm of um, a, a, like a demon. Like I felt, heard this is just a personal thing. I felt like it was like a demonic realm had engulfed me like a like a bubble and has been and was showing me like through a filter of this spiritual this negative spiritual energy let's call it right so it was like filtering the reality around me so i would see everything in a negative hallucination hallucinations and then the voices on top of that would be in my brain be outside of my brain i could hear them screaming at me sometimes telling me to kill myself i tried to kill myself you know they they tell me all sorts of weird stuff like your medications of the devil. And if you take a medication, you lost your salvation and God will never forgive you for smoking that cigarette of your mother's or whatever, you know, whatever I was doing at the time. And they, they would always just, uh, just drain me, you know, uh, spiritually and try to just uh, make me tired all the time. And then I was scared to take a shower. So I was uh, not functioning well. Depression. I've also, after I got out of schizophrenia, I wrote in my book about, I went through a deep depression where it felt like I was um, in a bubble again. It almost feels like you're in a bubble again of darkness where it's just, you have no emotion and no hope. There's no hope. You're bored or you feel like there's no point to anything. Um, I don't know if you agree with that, but for me, that's what, what I would feel when I was going through the deep depression. And, you know, you just feel like, Oh, I'll just kill myself because there's nothing for me to live for. Nothing. There's no meaning in life. So I was going through that as well. And, the way I got through depression later on was because um, I already, I, you know, I overcame schizophrenia with the voices and the weird hallucinations. But this depression came on later on because of some life stress, life issues. It's in my book. But um, the depression eventually left when I chose to believe truth. Once I started believing truth, then these strongholds, which I call, you know, stronghold, the spiritual strongholds, they they started being dismantled. So, you know, I can go into teaching mode if you want right now, but, uh, <laughs> you know, Paul talked about how, you know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the, you know, the destruction of strongholds for pulling down every, you know, every high thought and argument that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So the truth, uh, the gospel, the truth of what Jesus did for us, the truth that's found in Christ can help us dismantle lies and mindsets and belief systems that keep us bound. And I think, and I, my personal belief is, I believe that, you know, from a Christian standpoint, I believe that, um, that evil spirits can, can at times, um, manipulate the chemical structure of a human body, causing disease or mental illness. So you might be able to go to a doctor and see a depression on a, or schizophrenia on a, um, 
on a x-ray or whatever they call them mri you know in your brain and see it so i think that that could be you know maybe a medical thing but maybe it's both maybe the spiritual aspect of it is causing the medical issue the chemicals in your brain might be uh being you know be disrupted by evil spirits these strongholds but that's just my personal opinion what I was reading on the write-up for your book, and this just kind of got me thinking because it says here that your experiences include childhood trauma, addictions, occults, struggling with identity, mental hospitals, trauma, and from coming out, you know, a guy that's healing ministry is what we do initially. Trauma is like the cause of so much stuff. And Depending on who you ask. Now, there's, there's again, so many different opinions, a wide spectrum of everything. It's really hard to, you know, really pin this down sometimes. Because there's one point where someone will say, well, you know, trauma, it's just an evil spirit got into you from traumatic events, entered into your soul and soul was rough. Okay. Then there's the other part of it where, you know, that trauma messes with the chemicals in your brain due to like hormones and stuff, which it, it, it does. You know, there is an element to that. Addictions, you know, using chemicals that affect your brain neurotransmitters, there's going to be a thing. Or on the other side of it is that using certain mind-altering drugs opens up, for lack of a better term, portals for the demonic to enter. So there's, there's a spectrum of stuff here that we're dealing with, and all the stuff you went through fits into a lot of that. So what, the reason I, I ask that is because as I was reading the various parts of your book, you had a, a segment where you learned about deliverance, and that, as you said, you mentioned about taking medication and all that. And then, you know, coming from healing ministry, there's people that I know that would totally just tear you apart for medications because, you know, that's not of God and pharmacia and so on and so forth. And then there's other people, other Christians that won't hear anything about the spiritual and they're like, okay, go to a psychiatrist and get a prescription. So it seems to me in your case, from as much as I could glean from it, that you sort of use the whole entire spectrum to come over this because you had some medications, you had some deliverance, you had a lot of ministry stuff and all the things in the middle. And it's sort of like when people ask me about depression, I try to help. And, you know, for the longest time, it was just all about the spiritual. It's just depression or possession, whatever, you know, all the five levels of demonic that you hear people talk about. But what I've come to learn over the years is that, you know, you're a three-part being, you know, you have a mind, you have a body, you have a spirit. You have to tend to the whole thing. Yeah, your spirit needs to be free from this oppression, clearly. But if you're not drinking enough water and you're dehydrated, that can cause depression. Or if you're not getting enough sunlight or vitamin D, that can cause depression. There's a your physical element. If your emotions, if you're hanging around with people that do nothing but bring you down, or you're around people that are just train wrecks, yeah, that'll mess with you. You know, it's I I tend have learned with this that there's the three part being, you got to tend equally to all parts. You got to love all parts of yourself equally is I guess what I'm getting at here. From what you went through, could you please tell us about bringing the medication part, the deliverance part? Could you kind of tie that all together, how the whole process worked for you? Yeah. So because I've been, you know, I've ministered to thousands of people now, you know, I've been to different countries. I've been to villages in Pakistan, you know, I've seen miracles. You know, I've seen people with stage four cancer get instantly healed. I've seen uh, schizophrenics be instantly healed. I've seen people recover and I've seen people not get healed. And so it really, bo- you know, it's bothered me. You know, all the supernatural stuff's really, really amazing. But when it doesn't happen and you wonder, why is that person still struggling with depression? Why is that person still dealing with this? 
I don't understand. And so I, you know, I really dug deep and trying to figure it all out because, you know, as I talk in my, my new book is that, you know, I did deliverance ministry. Uh, that's how I kind of grew up in Christianity, right? Coming out of schizophrenia. And I, I learned in deliverance ministry how to, you know, uh, you know, the three part being cast out the demons and everything was demons. You know, everything was demons. Every, every negative thing was demons, everything, every, but what that did to me was it only got me so far. I started to notice that I wasn't completely free from things. I still struggled with things. Um, people that were coming for ministry were getting healed and then coming back and saying, I'm still struggling with these, you know, anxiety again. I was healed for a week and now it's back. What's wrong with me? And so it really bugged me. And I kept going and trying to figure out what, what is going on here? How do you encompass all of this? And the first, you know, one of the things I learned, I believe anyway, is that we're all on a different path, but the path is the narrow road. So you went through your own personal deliverance or healing of depression, you say, you know, that's your testimony. You can't create a formula for Bob down the street who's dealing with depression because you didn't go through everything he went through in life, his life stressors, his relationships, everything's different than yours. So what we've done is we create formulas for people and in churches and in teachings, which to a point, the formulas work, right? They work for maybe 50% of the people or 60% of the people, but the formulas, um, I believe that God has a formula for each person, each individual, because the Holy Spirit is individual with people. So you have an intimate, close relationship with God. He will walk you through your deliverance, your healing. Like you said, if you're struggling with depression or something and you're not drinking enough water, your relationship with the Holy Spirit, he can tell you, he can share with you if you need to drink more water or if maybe juicing is your answer or maybe he knows of a doctor that has a certain um, a procedure that's going to help you. And that's the route he has for you. You know, I know people that have healing ministries, miracle ministries, and they, um, the Lord, he, they felt, you know, they prayed forever for something to get healed. And eventually they, they ended up going to get an operation for it, but God worked it all out for the good. And they learned a lesson through it and, you know, maybe led the nurse to Christ or something through it all. So there's a purpose for everything. So we can't think, well, this formula doesn't work for me. So God doesn't love me. And that's what I, you know, that's what happens. I think, I think we create formulas and which are good to a point, but it, there comes a time that a Christian has to personally seek the Lord on their own for the, their specific formula, if that makes sense. And so with me, I took medication because um, I was at a point where I was walking naked on the street in Hollywood, California. I mean, I was literally, the voices told me to take off my clothes when I was 23 years old and walking on the street naked. I needed something to get me uh, back in my right mind. And so I took medication as a Band-Aid. You know, you put a band, everybody's going to put a Band-Aid over a cut. They're not going to just let themselves bleed out, right? They're going to get stitches or something. So I look at medication as that. and. Um, I know people that have condemned others or people for taking medication. They don't have enough faith or whatever they say. I truly believe that grace covers everything. You know, grace covers you. And, you know, I've heard reports of churches that, you know, they don't believe in any medication. And, 
you know, I knew a young lady that grew up in one of those churches and she said it was crazy. People got diagnosed and then they would be fasting and praying and the whole family would die of stuff because they didn't believe in anything other than, you know, fasting and praying. And then families would die, you know, people in these families would die from these diseases. And uh, that really confused this person. And so I truly believe that God has a plan and a purpose through everything. So if you look at your own self or your own testimony of healing a depression, God took you through it and he taught you things. And one day that depression just lifted out of your brain, you said. So when you talked to me earlier, so why did it lift out of your brain that specific day and not two weeks earlier? You know, why did I struggle with schizophrenia uh, when I prayed every night for two years to Jesus? Why was I still struggling with it? Why didn't Jesus supernaturally come to me the first three months? Why was it two years? You know, why, you know, there's a scripture where the lady with the issue of blood, you know, I'm sure she prayed a ton to God as she went to all these different doctors and took all these different medications and herbs and everything she did. She spent all her money. It says that she spent all her money and she was desperate and she, she was bleeding and she reached out and touched the hem of Jesus's garment. Why was it she had to, you know, was it seven years or 12 years or however long she, uh, she, uh, she waited? Why was it that moment? Why didn't God send the angel six years earlier? I mean, he knew she was suffering. Why, 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 did, why was that moment? But if you ask her now, hey, you meet her in heaven, hey, um, you're in the Bible. She, she, her story's in the Bible. And so it all worked out for the good in the end. Now, how many people have read that scripture, that, those verses, and had faith that they could reach out and touch the hem of the garment and receive from Christ? because of what she went through, the suffering she went through. So you can't explain it all. Why did I suffer for so long? Why did I, why didn't God stop me from going into the cult? Why did you go through depression for the, the, the long, the length that you did? Why didn't God, you know, touch you when you prayed when you're 18 years old? Why did you have to wait for so long? I don't have the answers for that, but I, to answer your question, I believe that if people seek the Lord, with their whole heart, they will find him and he will give them the formula for healing. And it could encompass some other people's formulas or a book or something, but um, uh, it, there's a specific plan for each person, I think, and it's individual and it's all in Christ. It's sort of like there, there's like thousands of diet plans for people to lose weight, right? And it's like, Everybody's different. Every physiology is different. Every metabolism is different. Some people can't tolerate carbs or proteins in a certain way. And it's like, and then you got people that make it almost like a religious thing. Well, I'm vegan now. And then it's like, yeah, but I like steak. <laughs> so it's it it's a very similar thing. And it's weird because as you were talking about that, there is a, a proverb that I always, always liked. And it just sort of hit me as you were saying that it's like, OK, I got to share this. It's proverb 25 two. it's the glory of God to conceal a matter but the glory of a king to go search it out. So when people say, well, is, is everything in the Bible? It's like, well, it tells you right there in the Bible that there's stuff hidden. You got to go find out. And it's like, so do you get the full story? I don't know. Maybe there's stuff concealed. You got to go search out. Is there a possibility of that? I think there might be. And I think it really more dovetails into what you're just saying that you sort of have the, the answer is concealed somewhere in this whole ether that we live in. And it sounds to me like if you go search it out, like you're talking about whatever route it takes you, 
the most important thing is let's get the job done. It's like, oh, you know, like we prayed and that that tumor went away. Well, where'd it go? Who cares? It's gone. Let's just get the job done, man. <laughs> so it that Proverb 25 too just came to my mind as you said that. So it just it kind of kicked that off of me. So there there's definitely, I think, an element of like you're saying, you got to press in a little bit and it's easy with formulas. That's why we like them so much. I love formulas, but you know, in healing ministry, I've I've tried applying the formulas and I've had many a thing blow up in my face. I, I completely get what you're saying. Yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. I you know that's um, I see formulas all the time. People sell books of formulas, which I'm not bashing, you know, because that's what they learned and it does help a, a majority of people. But there's these people that will read a book and, and try the formula, like you said, vegan, become a vegan. They try to do a vegan and you know diet and they don't lose any weight or they feel horrible and they don't understand. Then what happens is condemnation comes in. And the other thing I was learning uh, that I had to learn for myself that is part of my, uh, my main focus in Christianity, my main focus as a Christian minister, is that condemnation is our biggest enemy. And so what happens is, is the enemy is always trying to make us feel like we're no good, that we haven't arrived that we're not delivered, that we're always going to be sick, that, uh, you know, the debt's never going to go away or things aren't ever going to change. And so we, we go into this condemnation and it leads into hopelessness. And, you know, you pray and you do the formulas and it doesn't work out like you expected in the time frame you wanted it. And then you start feeling like, well, I'm no good. God doesn't love me. See, he healed Bob over here after he read that book and did some juicing. And I did it and it didn't work for me. So God loved Bob, but God doesn't love me. Kind of getting back to the main subject of what we're getting into is that it it messes with your mind. It's it's really like even that book, The Battlefield of the Mind, it's just that general concept. Just, there's a battle going on and, you know, the mind just seems to be the area where this all happens. And with getting back to uh, what I was saying earlier with the time period we're in, you know, we're coming out of two years of people being locked in their houses and, you know, wearing masks and worrying about vaccines, not vaccines and back to that whole, you know, medication, not medication, pharmacia debate and so on and so forth. But, you know, the the bigger issue, and I think this is what's underlying it all, is, is that mentally we're fatigued, man. And there's people that who are outgoing people locked in their houses and they're going out of their mind. You know, there's people like me that hate to see what's happening to others. And it's just like, I want to go berserk on people for what's going on here, you know, and and I'll be the first to tell you, like, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I, you know, over these last couple of years, I've gotten very angry with a lot of people, very bitter with a lot of people. And it's, you know, that you rupture those relationships with a lot of people because it's like, this is wearing on all of us. And much like we're saying with like the diet and the and the answer, it's like it, it's hitting everybody differently. You know, people are just falling apart. People like me are just getting angry. <laughs> it's it's a weird time. And and what I'm really upset about is that so many people that were dealing with like addictions fell back into them because there's nothing else to do. There's people that were contemplating suicide that unfortunately went through with it because there, there seems like no end to this. And you can make cases for addiction, suicide. Even just after a while, you're just like, fine, I'll do whatever you tell me if you just let me out of the, you know, the submission thing or, you know, that Stockholm syndrome where you're starting to agree with your captors. Even you can make a case for all this stuff. But as we're in this time and as people are going through it and they're damaged from there's no two ways people are damaged. Kids are damaged from a lot of this and they're going to be the ones growing up into this. So for people going through this, for parents that are going through this, for anybody that's dealing with any of these things, as someone who's 
seen all this stuff as someone who's gone through this, how should people be handling themselves? How should they be caring for themselves? And one last point, and then I'll switch it over to you, is that I mentioned earlier that you know, when I was a kid, it wasn't like fashionable to have a mental illness like it is today. It's like, it seems to be a thing with people. I, I don't get it, but okay, whatever. But one thing I do like about modern day is that the concept of what they call either a personal maintenance day or a mental health day. I think that's one of the best things ever when you're so like just wound up with work and can't get a break. Sometimes in my schedule, I'll just tell my wife, I'm taking off this day. Nobody bother me. I just want to go be by myself. I'm going to go relax, take it easy. Just a personal maintenance day, just to decompress. I think it's one of the most effective, useful ways to take care of yourself. But based on what you've seen and what you've been through and what you've witnessed, how should people handle what we're going through right now? Yeah, so I can't give people a formula. (laughs) Of course, Um, understanding there's no formulas involved. (laughs) Message received. Yeah, so yeah, so in uh, so in my background, I have behavioral health background. So I used to do crisis services and uh, case management services. So you know, I I've had um, you know number of people that have. unfortunately ended their own lives, you know, in the behavioral health field and almost nine times out of 10, they isolated. So what I found was that, um, somebody gets mentally ill, you know, they come up with, you know, they, they get SMI, they call it serious mental illness diagnosis, um, schizophrenic, bipolar, whatever it is. And then they isolate, they go and they just live in the, and, you know, in some group home or they live by themselves in an apartment and they don't have interactions with anybody. And then that's a perfect place for them to start listening to their head. And once you start listening to your head and hearing things and agreeing in your brain with lies, then those strongholds I talked about earlier get stronger. And so the first thing I would tell people is, um, is do your best to not isolate yourself from people with interacting with people. Um, you know, I know that we're most people listening to this aren't going to be in like quarantine where they're in their house still. Um, but I would say do your best to talk to your supporters, your Christian friends, your prayer warriors, your family on a regular basis. So you're not alone stuck in your head. That's like the number one thing you do not want to do is be stuck in your own brain. Because that's where those imaginations come, those thoughts, and then the condemnation comes. You know, those thoughts of you should end your end your life, and then you then then immediately right after that, oh, you should feel bad about yourself. That's not a Christian thought. And then you're like, oh yeah, God, God doesn't love me anymore. And then oh yeah, just kill yourself. No one cares for you. Look, you're all by yourself. And then you're like, yeah, you're right. I'm all by myself. I should just end myself. So it's like a it's a progression, and it's usually from isolation. So if you have a loved one that is dealing with mental health and things like that, reach out to them regularly, go to lunch with them, try to, you know, talk to them, FaceTime, anything, anything so that they're just not in their own brain. They're not in their own head, listening to voices or negative thoughts. Um, uh, The children, unfortunately, it's not 1980, 1990s anymore. So it's a different, we're dealing with a whole different spectrum of issues that we've never seen in our lifetime. You know, the family structure is probably the first thing that has been broken down with, um, you know, this is a whole society issue, but, you know, we have both parents either working or tons of divorces. You know, the family structure is being really broken down in, in at least in my country, America, right? So our country. 
So the family is, uh, you know, we need to pray that families are strengthened and that we get back to simplicity because you know, the Bible says to, um, to add to this, it says, uh, uh, Paul told Timothy, a good soldier does not entangle himself in the affairs of this life. You know, you don't entangle yourself. You want to please who called you to be a good soldier in Christ Jesus. You want to please your commander. You want to please Jesus, right? But what I see today is everybody's wrapped up in the world system. They're wrapped up in what's going on with the celebrities or with sports or with whatever. I'm not knocking all that stuff. I'm not saying be a hermit and live in a cave. But you don't want to wrap yourself up in the affairs of this life. You want to free yourself up. So a lot of people get wrapped up in things, you know. You get so busy where you have no time for Jesus. And that's kind of like a trick of the enemy. So I, I would I would bet over half the people listening to this will agree with me that you're you're doing things that are uh, taking away from personal time with the Lord. So what is that? Is it you know you're spending too much time, uh, you know, working nonstop for a corporation that you know that you know in the end doesn't really care about you, or you know you know the rat race, or are you you know? getting involved in too many things that are taking all your time. Are you volunteering to with 50 different things that are taking your time? Maybe volunteer with two things instead of 50, you know, are you, are you not um, organized in your life and it takes you a long time to answer your emails. You spend two hours on emails that should take you 10 minutes just because you're not organized. So organize yourself, try to not be entangled with the affairs of this life. Let some things go. You know, maybe you don't need to read about, you know, you don't need to read the news every hour. You don't need to be on social media posting all the time. Nonsense. You know, I mean, where are your time wasters? So that's a that's something I would encourage people to realize that uh, get untangled from the spider web of the world system. Be untangled from it emotionally and in your mind. Try to entangle yourself and learn to uh, learn to be more efficient with your time because time is the number one asset you have in life. Now, what I want to do is let me throw something out there just for for the side that you mentioned. Now, me on the other side, when I was going through this, as I've been self-assessing over this last couple of years, you know, kind of what went wrong. And uh, as I look back on the depression, it, it, it's sort of the same mechanism, but a little different reason. And here's why I say that my personality is very introverted. I'm very I like to be alone. I like quiet, I like sitting in the dark, watching videos. I enjoy that's how I decompress from stuff. And it's not that I don't like being around people. I don't have social anxiety or anything like that. It's just I, I mentioned to you before we started recording that I sort of like my strongest thing that I work in is discernment. And like I pick up on everything everywhere I go. So to give you, for instance, yesterday, my son had uh, one of his friends had a birthday party down on the Las Vegas Strip. And, you know, we're in Vegas where our ministry is. And so we went down to one of the big casinos here and he did one of the thrill rides and all that stuff. And we were cheering him on and all that. It didn't have a bad, it was a wonderful time. We, you know, nice. We all enjoyed ourselves. But you walk through, you know, Vegas on a Saturday night, there's lights, there's noise, there's people, there's chaos, there's conversations, there's smoke in the air, you name it. There's like all these stimuli. And it was funny because my son's like me. And then when in the moment we're fine, but after a while it starts to wear on you. and. I looked in his eyes and I'm like, I'm very like attentive to him because he's very much like me and I'm trying to cut him off at the pass and <laughs> make, make not make the mistakes that I did. And and I, I pulled him over. I said, you've about had enough of this night, haven't you? He goes, yeah, I need to get home. I was like, all right, well, we'll say our goodbyes and all that. 
So it was funny because when you were saying earlier about getting around people, see, I'm sort of the opposite of that. It's like I, I can I'm I love being one on one with someone, maybe one or two people. That's my sweet spot. But if I'm around crowds, like I could be just fine. But after that, I need to isolate. That's why I've been like locking myself down since like I've been social distancing since birth. <laughs> so for me, I, you know, we sailed through this one in, in that regard. But what I was getting at is that I realized early on. Well, I realized as I was assessing that early on, I didn't know that I was that introverted personality. Again, when I was a kid, this wasn't out there in the open. Nobody talked about this. You know, it's like if you were introverted, you were just like the weird kid that didn't like anybody. Or, you know, all your friends wanted to go, let's go get some people. Let's go play football. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 please. No, 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 no. Hey, guys, let's go to the mall. There's like 15 of us going, please. No, 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 no. I'm begging, you no. And I didn't realize that about myself. And I always thought there was something wrong with me. And then as you were saying that when you let your mind start telling you that stuff, that's when you start slipping into it. And so what you're saying is very valid in that regard that you got to really keep your mind under control. <laughs> you know, you got to take all those thoughts captive, as they say. And, you know, from both ends of the spectrum, it doesn't matter where you fall. Like, you know, the mind starts everything off and everything else follows. You know, the, the mind or the spiritual kind of goes first, then the emotional, then the physical. And in my opinion, that's the, the flow. But you really got to keep yourself in check with that. So I, I, I sort of think that's what you're getting at with, you know, just keeping your mind in the right places. Is that accurate? my favorite place to be is alone with the Lord. You know, like you, like I like to be alone too. Uh, what I mean is that people uh, who are dealing with uh, emotional issues or mental health stuff, they, they shouldn't be alone too long. Like just sit stuck in an apartment for months or no, with no interaction with anyone. Because that's when you start getting those, you know, they, they start listening. You know, you start listening to this stuff. If you're not, you don't know how to renew your mind if, you, if you're not tuned in with the Lord. You can start listening to the wrong stuff. And the enemy, what does he want to do? Kill, steal, and destroy, right? That's what he's going to plot and plan. What does he want to do to somebody that's suffering from depression? He wants them to take those pills or he wants them to you know, overdose, you know, overdose on those pills or kill himself or hurt their spouse or do something weird. So get help. You know, I talk to people. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. So, I, you know, I have people call my prayer line. We have the eternal lifeline. And, you know, they call the prayer line. I talk to some of these people. And, you know, I'm all by myself. I don't have any friends. I don't have any you know, my family doesn't love me. You know, what do I do? Find a prayer group. At least go get prayer, you know, once a week or something. Call a prayer line. You know, call one of those group prayer lines. Do something where you are, you can be encouraged and uplifted by the Christians. That's kind of what I mean by it. Yeah. No, I completely understand. It's just... uh I guess more what I'm getting at is, you know, you really got to get to know yourself. And a lot of people don't do that. You really got to get to know who you are and how you work, because there is no way you're going to figure out that puzzle if you don't know, at least have all the pieces to work with. And, you know, a lot of people brush it off. Oh, there's just something wrong with me. And they go about their life. And it's like, no, you, you really got to figure yourself out. And then now I look back and it's like, oh, that's why I did that. That was dumb. OK, but I did it. You know, it was funny because like I was in church today and for the first time in a long time, I actually went up for prayer, prayed for our podcast tonight and all that stuff. And, you know, it's funny because over this last same thing I was saying earlier, I mean, I'll be open about it. I, I said to the woman that was praying for me, I said, you know, this last couple of years, this has really worn on me. I said, I've gotten 
irritated and angry and bitter. And as I told God, I said, look, I'm sorry, man. I said, yes, I did it. I, I completely own up to it. I make no excuses for my actions. I did it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. And all I could do is move on at this point. As you know, they say one day you're going to give an account of everything. My, my answer, canned answer is, yeah, it seemed like the right idea at the time. <laughs> and that's, that's all I got for you. Yeah, I did it. Million, you did this. Yes, sir, I did. Next. <laughs> I got nothing for it. I'm sorry I did it. Yes. In the midst of all that, I guess what I kind of what I'm getting at is you you just got to get to know yourself and what you're like. I, I, I guess what I'm sort of thinking is that kind of like what I said earlier about how you have to treat all parts of you. And here, I'm going to give you a formula, but not a formula. Here's, here's what I'm thinking. For me, it starts with spiritual, right? Because that's sort of is your connection to everything. A lot of times people say, well, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. There's days where the extent of my prayer is I wake up and say, oh, God, what are we doing here? God, please help me. And that's it. But you know what? You're having a conversation. You're acknowledging him and you're at least asking something. You know, it, every waterfall starts with a drop. If it, if it just entails you getting up and saying, God, what are we doing here? God, help me out. Good. We'll take it. Build off of that. Right. There's definitely the spiritual component of the stuff you're talking about as well. Emotionally, like you're saying, you got to get around the right people, because like even if you are in your apartment for weeks or months on end, if you get around the wrong people that just feed into that, that's going to make it even worse. I mean, you have that you say get around prayer people, which is much better because you're show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You get around people that actually build you up. You're going to be much better. So there's that emotional part to it. And what I'll tell you also, not that I'm any pinnacle of like physical fitness, but get some exercise, man. Go if you're able to lift weights, you're able to go walk, you're able to do something. So many physical things that I've learned over this period, like exercise. Go get some sunlight, 20 minutes of sunlight, like take your sunglasses off. Let the sunlight pierce India. You see the sun in the Bible all the time. There, there's a healing process that the sun brings. It cooks things out of you, believe it or not. Or drinking water. You know, water is huge in the Bible for a variety of reasons. If you're dehydrated, it's going to cause problems. You know, vitamin D and all these different things you can do. You have to find what, again, your system, your puzzle, your everything. So I like to take it as like that multi-part, three-part being approach, because if you ignore one, it's two out of three, which is not the full picture. In decimal form, it's six, six, six when you got two thirds. I don't know if anybody knows that little math uh, trivia there for you. So when you're doing two thirds of anything, you're not getting the full picture. Six, 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 depending on how you want to interpret that, either man or demonica, it's up to you. You figure that out. Point I'm trying to make is there's more pieces to the puzzle you got to work in. So I'm sorry I'm rambling, but I hope uh, everybody gets the drift, you know? The other portion that I wanted to talk about too was um, identity, because that's really what has helped me probably the most in my life is that we, you know, you talked about trauma earlier, you know, somebody's traumatized and they're young, you know, and people say, oh, you got a demon from when you're young. And so this demon needs to leave and stuff. But if you think about it, you pick up you know, like a belief system, you know, you get traumatized, you, you pick up a belief, a whole belief system. You know, if you're three years old and you get trauma, you know, trauma from two, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, all at the, in the teens, you have a, a certain belief system that now controls your actions almost, you know, your emotions. So you believe that you're angry. Let's say, you know, you're, you know, you picked up this belief system that anger is how you get your way. You know, you get angry at people. So, you know, you start that off when you're five, six, seven. By the time you're 30, you're in prison because you beat up somebody or whatever. So it has a lot to do with identity. And what, the, what I believe the enemy wants to do to Christians or people in general is 
to make them identify with everything other than who they are in Christ. If they can get you to identify with, you know, if he can get you to identify with anything, anything other than Christ in us, the hope of glory, then he's winning. Okay. Here's the question then. Let me ask you this. Once you are in that state where, as you were saying, you get your identity from like the trauma, right? What is it that gets you out of that? Because, you know, once people are set in their ways, it's very hard to change. I mean, you can do it clearly, you know, God can do it as well. But what is, you know, what's the mechanism behind that? What, like, what would you suggest people do? Because I guarantee you that there's going to be people listening to the show that even though they're Christian, they're going through a big mess. And, you know, just because, you know, just because you carry that flag doesn't mean you're suddenly immune from everything as we've all found out in, you know, our own personal ways. But the fact of the matter is, is that, okay, let's say you're right. You know, admitting it's the first step. Okay, yes, we need a change of identity. What are we doing? How do we do this? So what what do you tell people when you counsel them? Good question. Okay, so I this bugged me for a really long time. I was trying to figure out how to help all these people that would call for prayer. You know, I had, you know, I've had people call, you know, been through horrific things. You know, they've had, you know, their seriously mentally ill child in jail and slicing their neck open with a you know razor blades all sorts of wild stuff like just horrific things i've had to counsel people talk with people about and um it really bugged me uh what what is you know what what is what, what are we missing here why does it seem so hard to get people delivered from these deep personality uh, issues or these identity issues and if you go back to somebody's salvation, so I learned if you go back to saved by grace and not by works, it's, you know, it's a gift of God. You can't earn salvation through being good enough or through doing any sort of ritual or anything. It's only by grace, right? Through faith. And that faith comes by what? Through the word and through the Holy Spirit. No man comes to the Father except, you know, that the Spirit draws you. You can't come to salvation unless the Holy Spirit draws you. So the whole concept of salvation uh, is about God loving you, not you, see? But what we've done is we're born in this world. We're born in iniquity, as you know, David said in Psalms. We're born in sin. We're born in the flesh. The rules and regulations we learned from the world system from the law, from all these things. We've learned what sin is, and we've learned self-righteousness. We've learned to work hard to get things, you know. We've learned, uh, you know, all these different patterns and belief systems through just being in the world system, through being in that fallen nature. You know, our generations have learned this. When you get born again, you are transition the bible says that we have been transitioned or translated from the power of darkness to the kingdom of light so you're no longer in the the flesh you're in the spirit you're no longer under the law you're under grace and so it's a transition you know jesus took our sins and now we wear his perfection spiritually somehow however that works now we wear his blood over our lives and God sees us through the, as he sees Jesus, which makes no sense to me because I see all my sin and all my junk. 
But if you can transition your thinking, and this goes for anybody really, to a, you're in spirit and not in the flesh, then the things you struggle with in your emotions or your issues, porn or anger, whatever it is, addictions, you can see them as a separate part of who you are because you are not in the flesh. That's truly not you. Paul said that if I'm sinning, it's not me sinning. It's sin that dwells in me. In my flesh dwells no good. And then he goes down in Romans 7, right? Who's going to save me from this body of death? Thank God through Christ Jesus, my Lord. Then he goes down, Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to what? The flesh, but according to spirit. And he start, and then he goes on to say, if you choose to walk in the flesh, you'll reap of the flesh later on. So you can choose in your mind, in your in yourself, what you're going to believe about who you are. You're either going to believe you struggle with frustration and anger, or you're going to believe that Jesus took that on the cross, and that's not truly Christ in you. That's not truly the mind of Christ. That's a part of your unrenewed area of your soul, your mind or something, some sort of belief system you learned or stronghold, but it's not you in Christ because you've been translated. You've been, now you're seated in Christ Jesus. You're high above all principality and power. So you're seated in Christ now. You're not, you're no longer the sinner in the flesh. You're not that person, even if you're manifesting that. That's the crazy thing. Even if you're manifesting weird personality issues or identity struggles, that's not truly you in Christ anymore. Two things came to mind. Number one is, you know, that quote is, I think it's Henry Ford, whether you believe you can do a thing or not, you're right. (laughs) So it's kind of plays into that. But I'll tell you something and I'll just give you an example of this. And, you know, which is one of those things where what, what sort of bothers me a little bit is I personally believe that once you are saved, Right. You, you go through all this stuff and Jesus does his work in you. You know, you're a new creation. I don't believe God rebirths you as a sinner. I just don't believe he does that. Not his thing. But you see all the time when in churches, people will say, oh, we're just nothing but sinners. We're just nothing but oily rags. And I'm like, no, you weren't rebirthed an oily rag. I'm trying to tell you this, man. So I don't believe that when people say, oh, we're sinners, I, I have an issue with that. And people say, but there's people sinning. And, and I do this. I, I did this to one person. And it was really funny. I said, I'm going to show you an example. I said, do me a favor. I said, bark like a dog. And they looked at me, Christ. I said, trust, just bark like a dog. And they're going, Rawr! and doing the whole, <laughs> the whole dog barking. I said, okay, how many times do you have to bark to be a dog? And he's like, well, I'll never be a dog. I said, why not? He goes, because I'm not one. I'm just behaving like one. I'm like, there's your answer right there. You're not a sinner. You're just behaving like one. Now get it right, man. <laughs> and that was like, the look on his face was crazy. I said, you could bark all day long and it will never make you a dog. I said, just because you behave a certain way doesn't change what your identity is back to the whole identity thing. So that's just kind of where I fall and I'm not sure about where you are, but do people sin? Of course. But what I try to do is because I've, I've come under fire for this in ministry. Million, you never preach on sin. Because here's why I preach falling in love with Jesus. And the more you fall in love with him, the more that you fall out of love with the sin. So I sort of take it just a different direction because, you know, whatever you give your attention to is what gets your attention. And rather you fall in love with Jesus, the more you about what you're doing wrong, which again goes back to what we said earlier about, you know, when your mind starts messing with you, because if all you're doing is reviewing things in your life you've done wrong, you're going to again, you're going to go out of your mind with this stuff, man. 
So if you look at Romans 7, top of Romans, you know, the beginning of Romans 7, uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, talks about how uh, we are married to Christ. And before Christ, we were married to the law. So, you know, the law of Moses, right? The um, righteousness by works mentality, uh, trying not to sin, trying to be a good person to get into heaven, basically, right? And so when we get uh, when we get saved, we become married to Christ. We have died with Christ and buried with Christ in baptism, and we've been crucified with Christ, and we've been raised to newness of life in the Spirit. So now the law has changed from the works mentality to the law of faith, which works through love. So the new law is faith, and anything that's not of faith is sin. Okay, so basically, you have been translated from uh, the old, you know, the old covenant to the new covenant, where Christ is living inside of our body. And he calls us righteous, like he called Abraham. We are righteous by the blood of Jesus. And so when you are going back to the marriage, uh, the marriage idea in Romans uh, 7, you think of Moses and, um, or not Moses, I'm sorry, you think of being married to the law. And the law brings what? Death and condemnation. Because even if you look at someone with lust, you've already committed adultery with them in your heart. That's what Jesus said, right? So. Everybody is condemned under the law of Moses as a sinner. So everyone is a sinner because we were born in the flesh. And so we're married to that our whole life. We learn fear of death. We learn fear, condemnation. We learn to hate ourselves. We learn everything, you know, all the negative stuff through that. And then we find grace. We get born again and we get married to Christ in the spirit. It's like what I look at it is like somebody being married to an abuser their whole life. They've been beat up by an abuser, you know, somebody that really abuses them and treats them really bad and condemns them. Then that person dies. You know, you died to the law. So now that the law has gone and that abuser has gone. And then now um, I'm not saying negative things about the law because the law is holy and good and just. I'm saying, you know, we weren't designed to live under law because of our human nature's uh, sinful. So anyway, so <clears throat> we can never fulfill the law. Anyway, we then only fulfill the law through Christ. But the thing is, is that then you're married, then you get married to Christ, who is what? Unconditional love. He has reconciled you to the Father. You are now a child of God. You are now born of the Spirit. You have been uh, delivered. You've been healed. All the promises of God are yours. You have eternal life, all the good stuff, right? All the promises. So when somebody was married to an abuser and then they get, you know, then that person dies or whatever, then they get married to a good person, a good husband that treats them right. They can still drag their belief system and interact with the good husband, thinking that the good husband is like the bad husband. And so here we are um, coming out of this bad marriage, right? This condemnation and guilt, this mindset. And then we start embracing Christ and we interact with him like, um, like he is um, going to be negative about us. You know, King David said that God's thoughts towards us are innumerable and they're good. So like, 
Father God doesn't have anything negative to say about at all in Christ. But our old mindset from the world system, from our parents, from how we are treated or whatever in the flesh tells us that Father God is mad at us because we screwed up or we well, you know, sinned or whatever. See? So it's when somebody fully embraces that they are for, they are truly forgiven forever. One sacrifice has perfected us forever. That's what Hebrews says. The one blood sacrifice of Christ has atoned for the sins of mankind forever. It was one time you, you know, you accept that and then you are forgiven forever in Christ. And the more you understand that you're forgiven and God does not condemn you like your past, uh, you know, the flesh, you realize that Father God is good at all times and Father God wants to bless you at all times. He doesn't want you to be sick. He, he wants you to live in divine health. That's his will for your life. And once you start learning the character of God and his, you know, abundant grace that's found in Christ Jesus, then sin and all the stuff that you deal with loses its power. The Bible says that the power of sin is the law. See? So you're kept sin, you know, you're kept struggling with sin because you have this mindset that needs to be transformed by the truth, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind starts to be renewed. Then you start operating the mind of Christ that's already in your spirit, man. And then your brain starts thinking more like God does. It's a total covenant of forgiveness. And I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, that's a hard one to wrap your mind around, man. You know, it's like trying to figure, trying to figure some of this stuff out as, as simply as it is. It's like, yeah, I'm not sure how it, but you know, just cause you don't believe it doesn't mean it's not true. It's just, you just don't believe it. It's, but sure. it's like, yeah. How can God forgive my sins that are 20 years from now? Cause it's a covenant of forgiveness and it's an eternal covenant. I mean, there's your answer, but, it, but again, wrapping your head around that is a whole nother story. I mean, Logically, it makes sense, but in application, it's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, come again. I, I, I huh? <laughs> totally. Righteousness by works. Yeah. So we try to perfect it. So a really, a really good book for people who struggle with this is Galatians. It's a book of Galatians. Paul said, who's bewitched you? Who basically, he said, he that does miracles in your place, you know, in your church, you know, he comes in and does miracles. Paul comes in or whoever comes in and prays for people to get miracles. Does he do miracles because he keeps the law of Moses? Because he doesn't eat pork? Because he, you know, rests on Sabbath? He dresses a certain way? Because he's righteous? He's this great guy that's just a perfect person that never sins. Is he doing miracles because he's perfect in the flesh? Or is he doing miracles by faith in the name of Jesus? Let me ask you a question. And then, he, you know, he goes on or before that or whatever. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit because you kept the law of Moses? Because you're righteous through the law of Moses? No. Or was it by what? The hearing of faith, of faith in Christ. He is the justifier. God is the justifier of those who shouldn't be justified. It's amazing. He turns sinners righteous. And the more you believe you're righteous, the more you act righteous. Now, I was trained in healing ministry under Curry Blake, and his thing that he always used to say that stuck with me is that whatever you give yourself to is what you become. So if you give yourself to what you're talking about and that mindset and that mentality, then that is what you will become. So there's definitely validation to what you're saying as well. But speaking of good book, Becoming God's Friend, that just recently came out. That's your book. And you had previous one called Defeating Mental Illness. So listeners, there's two books right there. 
First question I have for you is I'm looking at your website, which is thefathersfriends.com. It's plural, thefathersfriends.com. What is oh, the dot org, actually. Dot org excuse okay. me, dot org, pardon me. <laughs> what is the significance you're using the term friends a lot? So what's what's the significance to that? Yeah, so um, I it's a prayer and evangelistic ministry. So it's um, I started the ministry with prayer. So um, we used to meet together. Uh, I used to you know work at the behavioral health company, and I, I started praying in a group, small group of people. We prayed in the spirit. I believe praying in the spirit is super um, super important. If uh, somebody wants to grow in the relationship with God, in transformation, you know, beloved, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And so pray in the Spirit. If, you, if people out there listening to this don't believe in praying in tongues or praying in the Spirit, they need to just do their own study and pray about it. You know, ask God the truth about tongues or praying in the Spirit, baptism, Holy Spirit. You know, just ask God about it, and he'll lead you into all truth if you, if you are sincere and you ask him. So anyway, I prayed in the Spirit. Uh, well, we prayed two, two days a week, then three days a week, then five days a week, and then we were praying eight hours on Saturdays. And we were, I did, did some crazy prayer meetings. One time I did a prayer meeting like 10 hours a day for 30 days straight. I called it the 300. You know, I used to pray a ton, a ton uh, uh, in tongues and, and in the Spirit. I still pray in the Spirit all the time, but... Um, it's helped me tremendously. So the father's friends, um, I don't know. It's, it's very interesting. Um, you know, I, I remember praying the spirit and, the, and I felt like the Lord gave it to me in my heart, the name. And one of my friends said, well, it's called the father's friend or father's friend. And I said, no, it's the father's friends. So it's more of, um, we're friends of God and that the ministry is, you know, prayer ministry, evangelism ministry. So I have a vision for, um, a call center. So I want to have a call center, a building with a place where people can come and be trained in evangelism uh, and then have a, a place where intercessors, people that pray a lot can come and pray. And then we can do outbound calls to our community and pray. I've already done a little bit of this, but I want a building. That's what I'm believing for a building someday. And then like a big place where people can come and learn how to evangelize and, and do uh, you know pastoral counseling on the phones and stuff and ministry training so the father's friends it's more than just just me and speaking of that on the fathersfriends.org there's a link at the top it says need help start here and speaking of 30 days looks like you have a 30-day video series so what is in there 20 hours man 20 plus hours that's a lot of stuff bro boy no grass grows under your feet does it in 2018 they're pretty old, but they were live. I've been doing live streams for a long time and, uh, the live streams, uh, I just decided to sit down for 30 days every day for like an hour, you know, half hour to an hour and, and pick a topic and then talk about it. And I did these live streams for 30 days and I, and it got really great reviews. You know, people are like, this is great. And they're really low budget, which is crazy. They're just super low budget. And uh, I decided to put them online on the website. And then I just recently put them on YouTube too. But I get people commenting all the time how much it's changed their perspective. So it's 30 days to believing right. They're at our website. They're free. It's 30 videos. It's 20 plus hours of teaching where I just sit like I'm sitting with you now. And I just talk to the camera. And I, there's prayer in there. I pray for people. I give you some pointers that help me overcome mental illness you know, different little formulas here and there, but they're overall, it's about believing correctly about who you are and who father God is, you know, 
And so that's the teachings there. And they're free for anybody. And if you can Google it too, and you can see it on YouTube as well. But the website's thefathersfriends.org. And then you click need help. Start here. You also referenced a couple times about the uh, eternal lifeline, the prayer line. Is that still in operation? And what, how would people find that? Yeah. So the eternal lifeline is the Father's Friends eternal lifeline. It's one eight 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 know him k n o w know him so it's 1888 know him so it's 8885669446 and um i answer a lot you know if uh, if not busy i can take some of the calls so sometimes i talk to people i pray for them but that's it's impressive you got the word know him that that that's i'm super impressed man yeah i got i got that uh gosh I felt like the Lord told me to get that years ago. What the 2011, maybe 2011, 2012. I kind of sat there for. I've, I've had billboards before. I did billboards for it. Um, I also, you know, I always uh, seem to. I like to ask the Lord for birthday gifts or something if He's got something for me. But one birthday, I felt like in my heart, I felt like I was supposed to search for a website, and I got Holy Ghost TV. You know, HolyGhostTV.com, HolyGhost.tv, and. Eventually, I want to have like a media thing where I do teachings on video, you know, on TV or whatever it is. I don't really know. But I have those websites available, too, that I'm just waiting on right now to use in the future or sell them or give them away. I don't really know. Yeah, the book just came out. So I, I know it's kind of early, but you got another book coming in. You? Is uh, there's more down the pipeline or are you you're pivoting to something else? For some reason, I can write. I have an, I believe that the Lord's gift me with the ability to write books, to write things. Um, but you know, you read that it's, you know, in the writing of many books, you know, and what is that in the uh, Solomon, right? Book of wisdom or book of Solomon or something that says, you know, or Ecclesiastes, I'm sorry. In the writing of many books or studies, of many books is, um, it's at the end of, uh, Ecclesiastes. It's, it's basically, it's a uh, tire summer. I forgot exactly. I can't quote it right now, but you know, I could write books forever, but I, I had a, funny experience on an airplane i was sitting next to a lady and she started talking to me and started crying and saying that she's having issues with her boyfriend she just got saved you know two weeks before she gave her life to jesus and she's having issues with her boyfriend and you know she obviously needed discipleship or deliverance she needed a lot of stuff she's new and i remember sitting there and i thought you know god I'm going to write this giant book about deliverance and healing and following you. It's going to be huge. It's going to be everything I ever learned over the years. And I'm just going to have this huge book available for everybody. I'm going to help everybody with this book. It's going to be giant. It's going to be an amazing book. I'm going to sit down and write it. And then all of a sudden, I just realized that that book's already been written. It's called the Bible. Very succinct. Yes. I like it. <laughs> yes. So at that revelation, I was like, you know, I, you're right. I'm going to lead people to Jesus. And so kind of my whole thing now is to preach, it's kind of like Apostle Paul. You know, he went to Corinthians and said, no, I, you know, I, uh, I decided not to know anything except, you know, among you except what? Jesus Christ and crucified uh, over the years. You know, I used to be able to, I could write healing books, all these stuff, but over the years, I got to the simplicity that's in Christ, and I realized it's a lot easier than what people, what I thought in the beginning. And so my whole ministry now is to bring people 
to spending time with the Lord, however that looks, with the word, worship, prayer. But people truly need to give their whole lives to Jesus. And everything is found in his blood and in his resurrection, what he truly did for us. And that is my ministry now, is preaching the cross, is that identity that's found in him and what he really did when he took our sins on the cross, how free we really are and how blessed we really are, you know, that mind change. And so um, I could write another book. Yeah. I mean, I, I could write any, you know, tons of books, but yeah, maybe in the future, but right now it's about Christ in us, the hope of glory. Something else just kind of came to mind as you, you know, mentioned that really interesting book, you know, the Bible. Um, funny is that, if you now clearly we're not diagnosing anyone, just throwing that out there, you know, for a little disclaimer. If you read Ecclesiastes and Solomon's writings, he wasn't exactly a happy pie in that particular book. You could make the case that he might have been a little depressed when he wrote some of that stuff. I'm just throwing that out there just for consideration. <laughs> so next time you're reading through, if you're just remember, if you're going through a depression or something, a mental mental something, I'll just call it. You're in you know, good company because people in, you know people that wrote books in the Bible kind of went through some of that, too. So it's not unheard of. So just throwing that out there at you, just putting that out there. He, he remember, he said those that increase in wisdom increase in sorrow. So that's very interesting if you think about. that. So. All right. So what do you what do you take from that? Give me give me some of that. Might be a little maybe not for this conversation, but really um, going to hold out on me. Huh? You get. <laughs> The more wisdom you get, let's say, right, the more knowledge you get, the more you realize the how. I'm not going to go there. I okay. Like All there. right. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but I just thought that was interesting. You know, the more wisdom he got, the more so. Because, you know, he talks about how he was, you know, he went out and tried to drink a lot and party, and then that didn't fulfill him. And then, you know, you start realizing that. But the thing that I think is missing um, in maybe it is found in the that specific book but what's missing i think in that that um, well i guess at the end he says you know uh the whole duty of man is what to fear god and keep his commandments and you know and so i think that at the end he does get to the point of nothing truly matters in this life except your relationship with jesus christ and everything comes through that relationship you know you put him first then you'll have a good life you'll enjoy your life you'll have excitement everything you ever wanted through him you know, people hold on to things and they miss out. And so I guess my whole thing is, is for everyone listening to this, please just give your whole heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Please do it. It's so worth it. It's an adventure. It really is. Kind of what you're talking about there. And when I think of that, it's like, God's a character, man. And it's like, and like in my relation with him, it, it, he messes with me. You know, I, you know, God relates to you the way you relate to others. And I like to mess with people. So clearly I get that, you know, sowing and reaping. Apparently I get that right back. So he'll mess with me a little bit and I'll say, God, why does a question, why does this happen? And, you know, you, you have these questions you pose and you fight to get to the answers and you struggle and you search. And finally you get some kind of answer. And you're like, aha, I got, I got you, God, I got you figured out. And he's like, yeah, you got that one. And then literally like 40 new questions pop right up out of it. And you're like, are you serious? Are you kidding me? That's when you stop asking questions. That's bro. when you just stop. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to, I'm just going to trust you. Fine. I will just trust you. Let's do yeah. everything your Some way. Things, yeah. <laughs> Let's do everything Some God wants it to. Let go. <laughs> I think that's your answer right there. I think sometimes you, the more you try to figure out, the more it just blows up in your face and you're like, look, I'm just going to trust you. Just, just, just tell me what to do and I'll do. It. <laughs> 
Christians, whatever yeah, you're saying. Yeah, you know, in ministry, in ministry, that's a, you know, great thing, you know, like, you're great questions, you know, I, I meet people all the time, you know, you, you meet them, they're the pillar of the church, great people, everybody loves them, but they're dying of cancer. Everybody gets around them. This person has great faith, right? You know, they're praying, they're believing, you know, they're, they're not stressed out. They're like, you know, God's going to heal me. You know, I, I know Jesus loves me, you know, and they seem like they're full of grace and, and you end up two weeks later, they're dead of cancer. And you're like, what in the world? They were 50 years old, pillar of the church. Now they're dead. What is going on here? You know, I've had questions like that. And I've learned that, um, you know, some questions God is not going to answer. He's just going to allow us to hold on to faith, you know, and you got to find it in faith. You got to believe everything works for the good somehow. Believe it or not, there will come a time when we will get all the answers eventually. But, you know, until then, I don't know what else to tell you, man. It's just. But uh, what is in the future for Nick Grimson? Where are you going from here? You uh, you traveling, you preaching, you setting up new things, you buying a TV station. What are you doing, man? Currently, we're going to uh, we're going to start doing fundraising, um, I believe so, for a the, the, the prayer center, the call center. So um, that is something that if people have um, a heart for, they can uh, give on our website, thefathersfriends.org. If somebody owns a building and they want to donate it, who knows who's listening, right? Uh, if God puts on your heart, we really um, I really feel like changing, you know, changing the. Um, the atmosphere in a city or a country, you need to release evangelism. Evangelism is the only way that you truly change a culture or a, a nation. So, you know, there's other ways, you know, we've tried to do different things, you know, but really we truly need to get evangelism out there. People need to be saved. They need to have hope. Uh, for many years, I asked the Lord, you know, Lord, I've had people call a ministry. They're going through so many hard things. I pray for them. What do I do? What do you want me to tell all these people that call or email me? And I saw like he told me in my heart, give them hope. If you can give somebody hope, they can grab onto faith. You know, the thing, you know, uh, faith is something that things hope for yet unseen, you know, Hebrews 11, one. So if you can give someone hope. So I really want to be in the future. What my, what I feel my calling is, is to be a beacon of hope for people and to inspire people to um, to have hope for their own future, but that hope is found in God, in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So for my future, I want to do the call center, the prayer center. I want to travel more and write maybe another book or two, but I want to be a beacon of light to people, a beacon of hope. I want them to read my book or hear my teachings or see me preach and understand that they have hope that God is always with them and God never leaves them nor forsakes them and that his promises are the truth and his promises come to pass to those who wait on him and believe his promises. Now, people listening to our podcast here, clearly they're welcome to give you a call at 1-888-KNOW-HIM, 1-888-566-9446. Is that okay? Yeah, for sure. All right. So with that, if we're talking about prayer, for people that are dealing with some of these subjects we've touched upon, because we've kind of been all over the place with a lot of different things and uh, underlying theme of you know mental health in the Christian mind and all that. But uh, could would you please do a sh maybe a short prayer time for us for someone out there that may be dealing with something, people that are kind of struggling from the 
the lockdowns or the pandemics or the fear and the anxiety, all just the whole swirling mess that's going on around us right now and just all the stuff, the all the trouble this has caused. Would you please say a prayer for our audience and just uh, maybe get the ball rolling? And if uh, you know if they like it, they give you a call and uh, we can uh, keep that party going. So would you do that for us? Take us to an amen. For sure. Father God, uh, we agree together today for every person that's um, desiring a touch from your Holy Spirit that's listening to this broadcast. Lord, we agree together that your word is going to come to pass in their life. The Bible says your word says that you sent your word and you healed them. And so we send your word out. You said, Lord, that punishment for our peace was upon you. And by your stripes, we are healed. And so we release healing and deliverance through this broadcast, through this podcast right now. We release healing and deliverance for every single person that can receive it. We agree with them for a great breakthrough, Lord. We command anything that is um, uh, tormenting them to leave their life, to leave their brains and their emotions in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I specifically pray for anyone out there that feels, that deals with emotions of suicide. Lord, we um, we agree together for those emotions to be released from their body, from their mind, from their soul. We command those emotions to align with the word of God and to leave. And for the healthy emotions, the fruit of the spirit to manifest inside of them, love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and goodness, your goodness, Lord. And Lord, we agree together for supernatural miracles for anyone dealing with schizophrenia or a serious mental illness or cancer or anything. Lord, a supernatural miracle where you release your healing. And you said, Lord, that we can pray and we can believe and that all things are possible those who believe. And we believe, Lord, for healing and deliverance to take place uh, throughout um, the listeners here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Ooh, amen, man. So if people would like to track you down now that they got a little bit of fire there, let's say. We, so we got one triple eight know him or one triple eight five six six nine four four six, which is the prayer line. Please one more time, go through websites, any social media is best place to reach you. Give everybody like a little sampling of where to where to find you. All right. So my ministry website is thefathersfriends.org. They can also Google my name. It's Nick Grimsman. I don't know if that works, but all my socials are at Nick Grimsman. So you can find me on Instagram and Facebook and all the TikToks and all that YouTube stuff. But it's Nick Grimsman. You can Google my name. You can find anything about me on Google. Um, but um, thefathersfriends.org is probably where the best place is. Also, my books are on Amazon, Walmart, Target, all that stuff. I have Defeating Mental Illness, which is um, my first kind of mental health book I wrote back in 2013 and then 18, I re kind of updated it. And that was on the Sid Roth program. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but the Sid Roth, it's supernatural program on, on TBN and different Christian broadcasts. And then also um, becoming God's friend is my autobiography and memoir, whatever you call it. But that one has more of an identity focus in it. And you can also watch my testimony video from uh, the Sid Roth program on YouTube and just uh, connect with me. You can send me a message or email me if you'd like. I'm busy, but I'll try to get back to you or have somebody else message you back. But I'm 
I'm pretty good at messaging people back because I care about people. So reach out if you want. You can always donate to support the ministry if you'd like to. But thank you so much for letting me be on the podcast. This is really fun. I appreciate you. We just recently uh, connected up. This is our first real full-length conversation that the audience got to eavesdrop in on. We presented for them. So uh, it's it's been fun getting to talk to know you and get to uh, talk to you a little bit. Listeners out there, thank you. This is our sort of our getting back on the horse here with this podcast. It's been a quite some time since we since we recorded and I've been sharing with a lot of you listening and to, to some of the new people out there that we're trying to uh, build something kind of big here. So we appreciate you uh, joining us as we're getting this thing back on and make sure that you do share this podcast with everyone, especially if you know someone that's going through something, someone that's having a little mental situation or even if they're you know contemplating a suicide thing, please you know, intervene is all I'm asking you in, in whatever way you feel necessary. And uh, I thank you for listening and thank you for hanging out with us on this Dominion Fire 360 episode. And Nick, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you and all your time and flexibility as we got this thing up and running. Because in, since the, the last episode, I've rebuilt the studio, I've rebuilt the system, all the wires and everything. So we had to do a little testing and get it up and running. But it's 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 humming along here. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. But listeners, the website is dominionfire.com. So this show is the Dominion Fire 360 podcast. Also on the site, we have Heal the Sick podcast, which had 100 episodes from healing ministers all over the world. If you're into the healing message, definitely check that out. If you find any of these podcasts on anything like iTunes or Spotify, would you please be so kind as to leave a five-star review and just a nice message because it helps us grow and get the message out as well. We'd appreciate that. You're welcome to email me if you missed any of the contacts or you want further information on anything. The email for the show is the word podcast at dominionfire.com. So podcast at dominionfire.com. Working on the text messaging alert system, which is being built in the background currently. So if you're listening via that, then apparently it worked. And uh, if not, then stay tuned. You can email me if you want to be on the list. I can uh, add you as well. I think that's going to be about it, Nick. I think we're going to wrap up here. And uh, once again, thank you. Uh, you know, now that we're all connected up, now you're my bro. You're uh, you're part of the Dominion Fire family here, and we appreciate you. And listeners, we thank you as always. And uh, as we always say here at our ministry, boom goes Yeshua. And we'll see you guys next time.